0: Good morning again. Having a little bit of problems with my label. I wanted to ask you guys a couple quick questions. I, just, just on Mother's Day, I didn't realize some of this. Um, I, I'm going to need your guys' help. Did Mother's Day begin here in the United States? Does anybody know? How many of you guys think Mother's Day began in the United States? Okay. <laughs> Actually... I didn't realize this. Uh, Ancient Greece actually showed some possible signs of celebrating moms. Um, Not necessarily on this day every year, but uh, they showed signs of that. And then a little later, England did as well. Uh, When was the first Mother's Day celebrated in the U.S.? Any ideas? What's that? 1800s? Uh, Go a little bit further. 1940, a little bit back, it was 1907, it was first celebrated in the U.S. Uh, Where was it first celebrated in the U.S.? Anybody have an idea? No, no, not New York. It was actually, I was surprised where it was celebrated at. Actually, uh, somebody from the church is actually, I think, from around this area. It was in uh, Grafton, West Virginia, is where it was first celebrated when did Mother's Day become a national holiday? So it was first celebrated in 1907. Do you know when it became a national holiday? Any ideas? 19, obviously, it was after 07, right? 63, no, no. It was 1914, so just seven, seven years later. And uh, is there a proper flower to give away on Mother's Day? Daniel. Daniel? <laughs> I think my daughter calls those weeds. <laughs> uh, I hear somebody say carnation. Yeah, yeah, it was carnation. Actually, you're supposed to give, if your mother is still living, you're supposed to give her a red carnation. And uh, to, to celebrate mothers who have passed away, it's a white carnation. Uh, do other countries celebrate Mother's Day? Yes, absolutely. Yep. Do you know which ones do it the same day as U.S.? Yeah, I followed that real well. Um, It was, uh, let let me see here. It says, uh, actually, Denmark, Finland, Italy. Uh, I think some of you guys have been to Italy, right? Uh, Italy, uh, Turkey, Australia, Belgium. England is not in there. Yeah, yeah. So they must celebrate a different day. All right, this this is an easy question. When is Mother's Day celebrated every year? Second Sunday of May. Second Sunday of May. Alright, and, and this is another one, I don't know if any of you guys, a couple of you guys might know this, whose child was born on Mother's Day? <laughs> yeah, my, my, my son was born on Mother's Day, I looked at my wife and I said, that's got to feel great, happy Mother's Day, so, <laughs> and she just yelled at me, but uh, the last, uh, the la- those, are, those are fun questions, the last uh, couple weeks we've been going through this series, Miracles. And uh, if you remember the first week, we talked about just the idea of needing a miracle. I need a miracle. And we looked at the uh, uh, at Jesus raising Lazarus from from the dead. And we talked about that, that uh, there are several things that actually died within that parable. We talked about Thomas and how Thomas was dead in his doubt. We talked about uh, <clears throat> Martha and how Martha was... Uh, was dead in her delay and then Mary and how Mary was dead in disappointment. And we talked about then just how Jesus brings life to all of those different areas within our life. Uh, The the second week, last week we talked about uh, rock bottom and we talked about, do you remember what parable we used last week? Great. These sermons are hugely impactful. I am so overjoyed. Uh, We talked about Jesus calming the storm and, uh, how uh how jesus is present with us in the storm and that he is the one that has appointed the storm for his purposes if you remember that this week we're going to be talking about, this is our third week on miracles we're actually going to talk about the first miracle that jesus ever performed and that was turning water into wine and uh, plans often go awry at weddings don't they uh, i know that uh, i i've i've done a few weddings myself i've been in a wedding yeah yeah um But uh, I've, and I've heard stories of weddings. How many of you guys have planned a wedding before? A couple of you? Okay, so you guys know the planning and all the time and the energy and the effort that goes into putting a wedding together, right? Um, What are some things that you have to plan for within the wedding? Food, Food. yeah, yeah. If I'm coming to your wedding, you better feed me, right? Uh, Music, yes, music. A seating chart, yeah, yeah, I love those weddings that I go to and they make me sit by some total stranger and my wife is on the other side of the room. Um, I'm like, man, A plus, dude. Uh, yeah, what else? Yeah, just being there on time and you know, that's funny you say that because I was late for my own wedding. <laughs> um, well, late by my wife's standards, I still felt like I had plenty of time. Um, but, uh, but plans often go awry within a wedding, right? And uh, I know a friend of mine was telling me a story that uh, he, uh, he was having a wedding, and he, his wife wanted to make sure that she invited all her coworkers, right? And so there was one coworker that she really wasn't close to, but she was like, well, you know, I should probably still invite her because uh, I just don't want her to feel awkward that everybody else is coming and she's not. So she invites this lady, but she was kind of cautious to invite this lady because this lady was a little eccentric. And so anyways, the lady comes to the wedding and uh, the lady ends up <clears throat> dancing very imp- inappropriately on, on the, uh, the, the dance floor during the wedding and kind of just making a spectacle <clears throat> of everything. But uh, so plans often go awry within a wedding. I, I know another time a, uh, a pastor was doing a wedding. It was it was the husband's second wedding, actually. I don't know all the details behind it. But uh, he was doing this guy's second wedding, and he was ready to, to do, the, uh, do the vows. And he mentions to the, his wife, and he actually called her by the guy's wife's, his first wife's name. So that, that's kind of a, uh, something that has gone awry within a wedding. And as I mentioned earlier, I, was, uh, I remember my mother-in-law called me on my wedding morning. Because I had a friend of mine pick me up, and I'm never one good for details and the timing that it takes to do details. And so that morning I was like, well, you know, i got to do this and this and this. And it's been so long ago now, I don't remember all the details. But uh, I just remember my mother-in-law calling me and saying, "Um, are you coming? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll be there. (laughs) So I wasn't late for the the, uh, ceremony or any of that kind of stuff. But uh, some people were starting to get a little bit concerned. So, but uh, weddings can oftentimes go awry, can't they? Not go as planned. And actually, within a, <clears throat> excuse me, within a, the the wedding we're going to look at here, something didn't go as it was planned to go. And, and one of the things that I want you to realize within the culture of Jesus' time, a wedding was not just a simple couple-hour event. And I know when I say simple, you guys are like, "Well, I planned that simple couple-hour event, and that took forever." For me to put that together. Well, imagine if you had to plan a wedding that lasted for an entire week and you had to provide the, the food and the drink and, and just this ongoing party and celebration for an entire week. And that is the wedding that Jesus finds himself in, in his first miracle, turning water into wine. Turn with me to John 2, verses 1 through 11. And if you don't have a Bible, slip your hand up. We would love to give you a Bible. And you can put your name in this and call this yours. But turn to John 2, John chapter 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it's uh, the fourth book in the New Testament. And uh, look in chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. As you're turning there, I want to tell you a little bit more. Jesus traveled, it's, it's going to tell us here, three days to get to this wedding. okay? And uh, as I mentioned, that wedding was something that lasted for an entire week. But look with me here in John 2, verses 1 through 11. It says, on the third day, so Jesus traveled three days, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, I, I love this. This is like typical mom, right? Uh, okay, I heard you, Jesus. Um, guys, do whatever he tells you to do. He's going to do it anyways, right? And, and it goes on, verse 6. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding, holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet." They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine later, right? After the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This is the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. Now, now, <clears throat> things didn't go planned at this wedding, right? And this morning, we're going to talk about unmet expectations. And as I look at this passage, I see a lot of possible unmet expectations. Think about it with me for a minute. Even within a marriage context itself, when you enter into marriage, don't you enter in and there are unmet expectations? Those of you guys that are married, right? You enter in the marriage and there are unmet expectations that happens within the course of a marriage. And that's natural. There are unmet expectations. I actually heard a pastor say this. I haven't looked deeper within this, but I'll just throw it out there to kind of think about. He says maybe Jesus had some unmet expectations at this point. Because Jesus says to his mom, well, my time has not come yet. Because if you remember, Jesus knew where he was headed in his life. Okay, he knew that the cross was the ultimate place that, that his father was leading him to. And, and he knew that the miracles were a sign, a way to draw people to know who Jesus was, to show them who he was, and, and to draw people then through Jesus to God. Okay? And so this pastor actually says that maybe then Jesus says, this was not my time yet, because he was thinking to, to himself, well, maybe my first miracle is going to be this grand display that is going to show more people who I am and and that I truly am the Son of God. I don't know if that's true or not, but I heard a guy say that. It's something to think about. Uh, The disciples had unmet expectations, didn't they? If you think about it, not all the disciples at this point were called yet. Only five of Jesus' disciples were at this wedding. And, And so, things probably didn't seem like, well, things are ready yet for this miracle to even happen at this point. What about uh, guests at the wedding? I'm sure the guests had some unmet expectations about this party, about the wedding, about maybe some of the people there, about the food and the drink. I'm sure there were some unmet expectations. What about Mary, Jesus' mother, ushering in Jesus' ministry with his first miracle? Mother's have expectations of their sons, right? And so Jesus follows through with that expectation that mom wants him to do this miracle, and and so he does it. But life is full of unmet expectations, isn't it? If you think about a job, maybe. You, You enter into a job after school, or maybe fresh into the military, you enter into a job, and you're like, wait a minute, this is not what I signed up for. An unmet expectation. What about education? You're walking, you're going through school, and you're like, Man, this is harder than I anticipated. This is taking longer than I thought it would. This is more expensive than I anticipated, right? Unmet expectations. What about children? You have children. You want to raise your children to follow follow Christ and, and, and to make wise decisions within their lives. But sometimes kids don't make all the decisions that we want them to make, do they? And so there are unmet expectations within that. At at this point in my life, I I thought I, you know, some of you guys might be thinking this, at this point in your life, you know, I thought I would be married by now. You're like, wait a minute, you know, I've been waiting, I've been praying, I've been patient, I feel. And I'm like, why has this not happened yet? I feel like I thought at this point in my life I would be married by now. And some of you guys may be in that situation. Some of you may be in the situation, I thought I would have kids by now. Unmet expectations. Some of you guys, maybe within this, this time in your life, being that this is such a transient area, you thought, I would be living closer to family at this point in my life. There are all kinds of unmet expectations that we have through life, isn't there? And One of the things, I, I, want, you, I want to tell you this, I want you to write this down if you're able to. I want you to recognize things may get worse before God makes them better. Things may get worse before God makes them better. If you think about it, Joseph in Scripture was imprisoned. God had told him he was going to lead nations of people. He was going to lead the nation of Egypt, and he's in prison. He's probably thinking, wait a minute. I thought I was supposed to be leading people, and here I am in prison. And then later, God brings him to a place where he's leading the nation of Egypt. David. David knew that he was to be the next king after Saul. And David finds himself hiding in caves instead of sitting on a throne. Things may get worse before God makes them better. You think of Peter. And and Peter had to fall away from Christ. Peter had to make decisions to run from Christ when he was asked who he was to later come back at Pentecost and help lead 3,000 people to know who Jesus was. Things may get worse before they get better. There's a big difference between verse 3 and verse 10. Look at it. Verse 3 says, When wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. And verse 10, it says, uh, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. There's a huge difference. uh, A huge difference between verse 3 and, and verse 10. And some of you may be sitting right now in verse 3 saying, wait a minute, there's so many unmet expectations right now within my life. God, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why this is true. Things oftentimes get worse before they get better. But let me emphasize, the better is not always what we anticipate either. Look in 1 Peter 5.10. Can we throw that up here on the screen? Uh, I want to show you where, I'm, where, where I get this from. Maybe, First Peter 5.10. There we go. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself, what? Restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So things may get worse before they get better. And again, I'm not saying that better is going to be within your mentality because God has a different idea of what better is sometimes. Okay. And that better may not even happen here, but it's going to happen at some point. But there are always unmet expectations that we walk through in life. Many of you guys know at this point that uh, my wife and I had our baby this week. And I want to bring her up here and just show you if that's okay. Is she sleeping? So there's there's a couple pictures, but this is uh, this is Caden Mariah, and she was born on a early Tuesday morning. And as we're talking about unmet expectations, we uh, <coughs> we've been ma- waiting for Mar- uh, Caden for uh, for nine months. And we, uh, we rushed to the hospital on a Tuesday. Well, it was late Monday night, early Tuesday morning at 1 o'clock when, when uh, she was checked in at the hospital. And uh, uh, my wife's water had broke, so we rushed to the hospital. <clears throat> Everything was pretty much as we had anticipated. We've already had two. And we knew, okay, the water broke. It's time to start heading to the hospital and so we go, my wife gets checked in, they get her hooked up to all the machines and everything. They re- register heart rates and, and blood pressures and all those different things. They hook the baby up, and everything's going fine. And, and they, they, you know, those list of questions um, some of you guys are nurses, those list of questions that, uh, that the nurses have to ask to, to, to get everything checked in. And they're running through those list of questions with my wife, and then all of a sudden, for, for no apparent reason, the baby's heart rate dropped, and it dropped pretty dangerously low. I think it was around 50, uh, and it was there for about 11 minutes. And I, as it was dropping, we just all of a sudden saw, okay, instead of just one nurse asking questions, a second one had come in and was looking over a few things. And then as it continued to drop, all of a sudden, four more nurses come in. And they're jabbing my wife with needles. They're, they're trying to get better readings on the baby's heart rate. And, uh, <clears throat> and I'm just kind of standing back against the wall trying to be out of the way. And my wife is looking at me, unsure what's going on. I'm looking at her trying to stay composed because I didn't want my, my wife to, 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 to be upset. So I'm just telling her, you know, it's okay, it's okay. And I had no idea what was going on. And so anyways, they, they eventually got the baby's heart rate back up and were comfortable with where it was. And at that point, they had stopped the contractions, and they had uh, then started to proceed to give my wife an epidural and just prepare her just in case they had to do a C-section. And uh, as, uh, <clears throat> as they were preparing her for that, and then they, they had her lay down for a little while, and just uh, just kind of wait waited out a little bit. So we waited about an hour, hour and a half. And the baby's heart rate was pretty stable and normal. And then uh, my wife's body started to go back into the natural progressions uh, of contractions again. And was, as she was uh, starting to contract again, the baby's heart rate started to plummet again. And, and I remember just watching the monitor and just watching those numbers continue to drop and drop and drop. And all of a sudden, a rush of nurses come into the room. And... Uh, they're, they're on the phone trying to call the doctor to come back in, and they're saying they're going to have to do an emergency C-section. <clears throat> and so uh, there's a rush of nurses. Again, I'm trying to stand out of the way, just saying, please, God, please, God. And, and I have no idea, God, why, why is this happening? Why is this, uh, why does it look like, we, and, I, and I was watching the faces of the nurses, because you can tell a lot, you guys know this, you can tell a lot by just watching expression not just what is being verbalized, and there wasn't much being verbalized, but just watching expressions, I could see a look of panic on the nurses' faces. And I knew, okay, there was something tremendously wrong here. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, we, we might lose our baby. And then at some point, my wife's blood pressure dropped, and they started getting concerned about my wife. And I'm start- honestly, the thought crossed my mind. I said, I might lose my baby and my wife. And just standing there and thinking to myself, why, God? And I remember thinking to myself, okay, if that happens, what will I do? Will I continue to praise God? Will I argue with God? Will I be upset with God? Will I run from God? Honestly, I said, will I still do this? All those thoughts crossed my mind. I'm just being very vulnerable with you here. Because we had walked through two pregnancies and deliveries that were smooth and never anticipated this. Well, they rushed my wife off to the operating room. They had me dressed in all the, the stuff I had too. And they had me wait out in the hall for about five minutes. And I just remember standing there in the hallway just saying, please, God, please protect my baby and protect my wife. Watching the nurses rush in and out of the room and the doctors rush in and out of the room. And at some point, they came and got me and had me sit next to my wife as they uh, performed the C-section. And I guess my wife told me later that in the operating room, they actually had lost the baby's heart rate. Um, they, They had monitors hooked up internally and had to take those off and were trying to find it on the outside and couldn't find it. And, to our knowledge, the babies never went into cardiac arrest or anything, but they just couldn 't find it, and so they were panicking, not knowing okay, what is going on and So they did the C section in seven minutes and had the baby out and I remember just hearing the baby crying coming out, looking at my wife, and both of us just started crying and I remember looking in the corner of my eye on the on the warming tray that they put the babies on to, to wipe them off and check them out. And just looking at the corner of my eye and seeing the baby laying on the tray. And then I looked at the face of the nurse. Because I wanted to see, okay, is is there a a face of panic or a face of relief? And I saw a face of relief. And I just Connie and I looked at each other and said, thank you, Jesus. But I can tell you that that was the scariest thing that I have ever been through and my wife has ever been through. And as we talk about unmet expectations, we don't understand why... God does some of the things he does. But I remember standing there through this and saying, okay, there's two things that I have to do. The first thing I have to do is look to Jesus for the solution. I have to say, okay, God, you know what you're doing. You have all of this planned out. I don't understand your ways sometimes, but God, you know what you're doing. So I had to say, okay, Jesus, You have a solution. It may not be the solution that I want. I had no idea what God was going to do. And now I'm blessed that God has worked everything out. And Baby and Connie are healthy and fine and home. But I remember saying, okay, I have to trust that Jesus knows what he's doing. And so that was a verse 3 moment that we were in, where things were going not as expected. We had no idea how things were going to turn out, when they were going to turn out. And uh, many of you are in that verse 3 situation right now. Whether it's with, <clears throat> with uh, finances, relationships. Maybe you're struggling to, uh, to, to just be reminded of who Jesus is. Maybe you're having a hard time in school. But I want to show you a verse on, on the screen that, that I remember looking at uh, years ago, and I actually remembered that verse earlier this week as we were at the hospital. There. You go. It's Matthew 11:6. It says, "Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me." This was uh, something that Jesus had said to his disciples when, uh, when there were problems that were arising. And Jesus basically says, do not fall away on account of me, Jesus. Do not fall away because of the the paths that I will lead you on. Trust me through that. Follow me through that. And I remember standing in the hospital, teaching this verse many times, and thinking at that point, saying, okay, I've got to trust that God is doing and knows what's going on, that God is involved in this. And, And so... The first thing that I challenge you to do is look to Jesus for your solution. The second thing I challenge you to do is do what Jesus says. Do what he says. You, you say, it, it, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's easy to say, you know, I, I want a miracle within my finances. You know, we're struggling and things aren't going well. And, and it's easy for us to say, okay, God, I need a miracle here. But I, I challenge you, are you tithing? You know, it's easy to say, you know, God, bring the right person for me to marry within my life. I'm struggling in this area, Lord. This is a dark time. This is a verse 3 time for me. But can God do that if you're just hopping from one relationship to the next and not trusting God to provide that person? You know, maybe your verse 3 situation is, I know here in a very transient area, then it can get extremely lonely lonely sometimes. And and maybe your verse 3 right now is, I just need friends. I need to connect with people. It's hard, though, to connect with people if you're not doing what Jesus wants us to do, and that is get in community with other believers and followers of Christ. You know, get involved in a small group. Come and worship with us regularly. Go hang out and have lunch. Get together. Form those relationships You know, some some of you guys may maybe at the point your verse three situation, maybe, God, I just want you to be real in my life. I feel like you're so far and so absent right now. I just want you to be real right now. And so maybe you're 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 crying out for God to be real in your life, but yet you won't share Jesus with the people around you and invite them to church or to this or to that to be with you in community with other believers. So the simple thing, the gist of it is do what Jesus tells us to do. Don't just cry out for that miracle and not follow the steps that Jesus wants us to walk. Because sometimes we can walk right away from that miracle if we choose. John two eleven says, This is the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. And it says, thus he revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. He revealed his glory and the disciples put their faith in him. I want to ask you guys, no matter where you're at right now, a verse 3 situation, maybe a verse 10 situation. But I want to ask you, are you allowing God to reveal himself to you and through you to those around you? Some of us are in that place where we just need to look to Jesus for the solution. And maybe you've never done that before. And you're at that place, you just, you're, you're saying, God, I, just, I don't even know who you are, if you are real or even exist. But God, I'm in this hole, I'm in this verse 3 situation, and God, I just cry out to you and ask you, take this, I can't do it. Maybe that's the situation you're in right now. Maybe others of you are in that verse 3 situation, and... and 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 you're at the place where you have cried out to God for the solution, but now you're just in that place of walking in obedience and not falling, falling away from Christ because of the path that he's walking you through right now. Wherever that is, I challenge you to do those two things. I challenge you, encourage you, with all that I have to do those two things as I've had to do this week. We don't always understand the reasons that God does certain things. But I can assure you, as we talked about two weeks ago, Jesus feels where you're at. As Jesus wept over Lazarus, Jesus weeps with you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you just for who you are. Just, Jesus, that you care about where we are. You care about the situations that we're walking in you care about whether we're in a verse 3 situation where things are unmet expectations are all around us and feel like they're surrounding us, Lord. Or Jesus, you, you even care when we're in verse 10 and things are going well. But Father, I pray that we would do those two things, that we would cry out to you and realize that you are the solution, Lord, whatever situation that we face and that you want to walk with us through those things. And Jesus, I pray that we would then walk in obedience to You and what Your Word challenges us to do. Lord, I pray that we would walk in leading others to You. Lord, I pray that we would walk in building community and forming community with other believers to worship You together, to encourage one another, to challenge one another, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would take Your Word and that we would read it to know You to have you speak to us. Lord, I pray that we would be in prayer, that we would pray to you just the things that are going on and take those things to you continuously, Lord. Tell you how we feel because you care. So Jesus, wherever we're at, whatever situation we're in, I pray that you would challenge us to do those two things, Lord. To look to you for the solution and to do what you command us to do. It's in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.